This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 45. We are pretty sure, unless we need to use it earlier, in which case we'll put a new number on it. <laughs> but part of uh, what we do in life as working parents is we understand that the best laid plans sometimes fall through. Um, and so we're recording this in April. We're not scheduling to air it till June. But uh, in case one of our scheduled guests doesn't happen, we can use it earlier. That's what we do. We plan for things that might go wrong, right, Sarah? Contingency episode. Contingency <laughs> no, <I> episode. <laughs> and we're talking about yeah, superficial things. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So we're pretending that it is June right now. Talking about planning summer vacations. <laughs> Are you planning your summer vacation right now? Yeah. No, I really am planning. <laughs> no, we don't. I don't have detailed plans in place. But actually, even though it's only April right now, um, we've already blocked out our time in August. And I think I've mentioned before. I know we're going to Portland and Seattle, but we need to actually nail down our housing situation. And I'm still not sure if we're going to do Airbnb versus hotel. I feel like hotel is so much easier to book. Like I don't have to. 
I don't know. It's just, it's like a lower bar. Just kind of figure it out quick, done. But I also feel like it might be nice to have like a decent sized kitchen and a little more place for the kids to move around. Plus we're bringing our nanny, so it might be more cost effective. So I don't know. I got to figure that out. By the time this airs, hopefully we will know. Yeah. No, two two hotel rooms can start to add up. Um, yes. It's amazing. Versus- Double. <laughs> Shockingly enough. Um, you know, we, you- we've, a couple of hotel chains we've stayed at that have slightly more room, like Embassy Suites is always good. Um, so yes, you know what, Homewood Suites too, kind of similar thing. Like you can tell there, so that might be a good. But I'm not sure they're as. I always find those in more like, um, like there were one on the outskirts skirts of Orlando, for example. I don't know that I'm going to find one of those in like downtown Seattle, just because like space is such at a premium. Yeah, that's true. Uh, on the subject of travel, uh, you just got back from an awesome trip, it looks like, to the UK. And tell us about your Instagram or your 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 picture that got the most attention from that trip. Yeah, so on Inst- I posted on Instagram a photo of our luggage um, as we were waiting to go home in, in Heathrow. And there wasn't a lot of it. Like, So we had five people in the UK for a week. We had three carry-ons, and then we all had our personal items, which are the kids with small backpacks, and I had a purse. But but really sort of I packed for the kids. My husband went separately, so he had his carry-on and his backpack. So I packed for me and three kids for a week in the U.K. in two um, carry-ons that you know fit in the overhead container and then our, our backpacks and purses. And so it didn't look like a whole lot of luggage. Like a, It looked you know, like nothing. It, it looked, looked like nothing. nothing. <laughs> and people were it like, like they were going to school or something. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. like... <laughs> Minimalism. Which I realized, like, once you have, like, 20 comments on an Instagram, normally people just, like, like and, like, move on. You know, there's 20 comments on, like, this or people saying, I'm never going to show this to my spouse because then they will think it is possible. (laughs) So I, uh, you know, it turns out there are some uh, families where some people pack lighter than others. Uh, But, uh, no, I, I am a big fan of packing light. Many reasons for that. I, I think, you know, practically in the sense of, you know, travel to Europe, we were staying in relatively modern hotels, but even, in, I mean, the London Sheraton, it's small, like elevators and stuff. And you, you know, people are going to like guest houses, like hotels, old hotels in, in you know, old cities. They don't have American levels of space. Like you can't get a big suitcase on an elevator. They might not even have an elevator. Like they don't have the Americans with Disabilities Act, right? Like, you know, (laughs) you're going to be hauling that big suitcase up to your fifth floor hotel room and you should just prepare yourself for it. So I am, you know, especially going to Europe, always pack light. But yeah, I mean, you know, you don't need that much stuff. I, we, you guys did a lot of good strategic, like rewearing, right? Yeah. We we rewear like bottoms, like pants totally can rewear. I mean, especially kids, you know, have outfits that mix and match. Uh, you know, the kids had one pair of shoes that they just wore to everything. I only had two. I had my running shoes and then I had my wedges that, uh, you know, can, can be okay as dress shoes, but they're, they're for walking too. And so I just wore them, uh, you know, one nice blouse, one pair of nice black pants. So I wore that as my dressy outfit every time I needed to be dressy. Uh, yeah. And it all fit like, you know, I just, told the kids I couldn't bring too much because they had to carry their own backpacks. And I put two outfits for each of them in their backpacks and the rest in the rollerboard. Uh, they're, they're at a good age for packing though. I do want to make clear, like, you know, if you have a three month old you're traveling with, yeah, you're probably bringing diapers, you're bringing bottles, you're bringing, you know, whatever else like you need. Um, my kids don't need any of that at this point. Um, no strollers, and, no car seats. The strollers. Are, and, and then the, 
Um, but they're not teenagers yet either. So they don't have that whole, you know, paraphernalia associated with <laughs> teenagers. I've been bringing like razors and deodorant and feminine products for them or whatever. Like, you know, that's not part of my life yet. So they're good on that front. But uh, no, we, we, we pack light. But people had some strong reactions. So we had a couple people posting on my blog, like, I always check because I don't want to be encumbered in the airline. <laughs> Like, okay. I mean, I guess I never thought of that as being a huge deal. But. It's only encumbrant if you're trying to, like, I get that only because we're still in the stroller phase. And if you're trying to wheel the stroller and you've got like sleeping tired kids, and then you also have like two big bags, it can get hard. But, but I very much look forward to getting to your stage. I do. I, I'm, I'm sort of inspired. I believe it's possible. Once yes. we're out of the stroller phase. Once we're out of, that's true. The <laughs> stroller, you know, the diapers, all that adds bulk. Um, and we, we were not traveling with our youngest child. We actually made it a nice sweet spot, like right about like for this trip where we probably don't need a stroller and I can just carry her still in the ergo. So, mm, but oh. car seat still. So, well, but we could rent that. So you talked about that too. And other people are horrified that the car seat might have been in an accident, but. I, you know, but then they're giving you a car that's been in an accident too. It's a good point. If I you're going to worry about one, you might. As well worry about the other. About the other. Like I, I think if you're renting from a reputable rental car agency, like don't go way down the line. Like, but if you're, you know, one of the Hertz or Avis, the high end ones, like I think you're probably okay. <laughs> yes, it would have to be a lot of Swiss cheese aligning, you know, in terms of problems for there to be an issue. But you know, you can worry about whatever you want to worry about. Life, life is <laughs> people choose the things they want to worry about. But. Uh, yeah, well, so, that's a good segue because many people oh, might say that all the things we're going to talk about in this episode are not worth worrying about, but I kind of think they are. <laughs> and that's, that's, a, that's up for debate. I was raised in a home where I think my mom pulled out her makeup like three times a year to go on a date with my dad and the makeup was like 20 years old. Like I can still picture exactly, <laughs> sorry, mom, but it's true. Like exactly what she wore because she like never replaced it because she, she just didn't feel like it was important, you know, and she was a woman who came of age in the 60s and 70s and that, you know, it was a little anti-feminist to, to care about this stuff. Um, and so, of course, I went the opposite. No, actually not. I would say I'm kind of a moderate in this regard, but I definitely care more than she did growing up. And, you know, I... I do, there is evidence for better or for worse that certain appearance related characteristics can impact your success in the working world. And I'm not saying that that is a fantastic thing. It's actually kind of sucks, um, especially because there's discrimination against people who might be older, who might be carrying more weight and things like that, things that you just absolutely cannot control. But then there are things that you potentially could control, like whether you're dressed in, you know, pajamas or like real work clothes. And I feel like it's probably worthwhile to do at least a little, put a little bit of effort into to those things. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's one of those necessary evil things. I mean, yes, I wish we lived in a world where everyone was treated equally regardless of what they looked like, but we don't live in that world. And it's somewhat, you know, we can work toward that world, but at the same time, we should also, you know, deal with it as we can living in such a world. Um, and especially since I don't think it's about looking like a supermodel per se, like, cause that, you know, is not going to happen. And nobody in most offices looks like a supermodel. So it's really kind of a, a ridiculous thing to expect. But, you know, I know we've talked about um, the show, what not to wear on this, uh, on this podcast in the past. It's really such a great show in many ways, because they always, they, they had a point of, of having some amount of diversity in it. Like they had, yeah, they did a nice job with sizes. that. And, always like no matter what the person looked like at the beginning like they look really good at the end you know it, it doesn't matter what size they were what shape 
they had a really good haircut from somebody who, who knew what they were doing. Like they had really good clothes that worked with their bodies um, and their body type. And so I, I do believe that whatever nature gave us, we can work within that um, and, and within the range, try to look more, more polished and professional um, versus not. I mean, I, I really have to work at this myself because I, none of it comes easy for me. Uh, I'm, and I'm not a person who naturally cares about it either. And I somewhat resent spending time on trying to look nice. But I, I have, you know, I certainly understand that as I'm asking people to like pay me to have me up on stage in front of hundreds of people for an hour, like <laughs> and I your probably photos gracing your to, books yeah, and your website, I mean, yeah, I should that kind try of to look decent, you know, <laughs> as, as as part of that. So, um, but but it's not, you know, it's it's always a battle because I like to be comfortable. I mean, you like to be comfortable, yes, too, right? absolutely. And there's definitely a happy medium to, medium to strike. And you know, I do think. And we're going to go through kind of like a laundry list of various aspects of this in a couple minutes, but there's an aspect of like, well, to what degree can it be a little bit fun and enjoyable to you? And then when does it cross over into like painful, annoying, not worth it and finding that middle ground between those two extremes? Yeah, exactly. Middle ground. We're all about the middle ground here. <laughs> okay. So we will begin in a middle ground topic with shoes. And I will say that I am five foot one. And actually that's a little bit of a lie. I'm like five feet and three quarters of an inch because I work as a pediatric endocrinologist. So I know exactly, but whatever in lay people's terms, I'm five one. And because, well, I don't like to be like a complete head shorter than people. And there is a little bit of a psychological aspect to that because you, you know, if someone's five heads taller than you, you feel like you're being talked down to, and maybe you are, I tend to like to wear heels. <laughs> so, and that tends to be enough. I don't need like 10 inch heels, like just getting me to about five, three, five, four seems to be just, um, plenty. So my compromise or middle ground here is that I'm not certainly not going to wear stilettos. I'm not going to wear anything that's really hurting my feet. Um, I've worked hard to find brands that, uh, I can really like walk around like miles in. I mean, I know from my my running watch that I wear that I can take a lot of steps in these shoes without them hurting. And I tend to wear a lot of wedges, usually around the two and a half to three inch mark is like my sweet spot. And the brands that I tend to go to are Camper and Colhan, just because they both tend to kind of mold to the feet. And I don't notice that I'm wearing heels compared to some others where I'm like regretting my choice. <laughs> I hate regretting the choice. Right? It's the worst. Like, Painful feet is the worst. And I will, I've, as I've gotten older, so I don't mind those kind of heels. And again, that's where the compromise is. But when I dress like to go out fancy, if I'm work, walking like a black tie event or something, I will compromise and kind of dress down the shoes so I can walk. Um, and that's only been in the recent like five year period since having kids, because as cool as it is to wear beautiful stilettos, it just gets so old, like an hour into the night. And then all you can think about is like my feet hurt. It's so distracting. It's the worst. Anyway. Okay. So where's your middle ground in this, in this realm? Well, I wear heels if I am obviously out in um, like a professional situation. If I'm on stage, I will I will wear heels. But it's funny because even with that, I, I want to be comfortable too. So I have a pair of the Jimmy Choo bone stilettos, like bone colored stilettos. And I have worn them um, for speeches. And then I'm like, you know, there are other nice heels <laughs> that, hurt, huh? just, that hurt less. And so I found this pair of high, almost like platform heel, uh, nude color again, um, really tall heels from Clark's. And Clark's uh, is a brand that is associated with like, it's, it's walkable footwear. 
And I have noticed, like, I can't make myself wear the Jimmy Choo's anymore because I, I, it looks roughly equivalent to me uh, on stage. And especially if you're not, like, staring at me, you know, if you're, like, three rows back. Uh, so why would I make myself uncomfortable? Um, because the, the Clarks I can wear around for the rest of the conference, right? Whereas the, the Jimmy Choo's have to come off immediately. Like, I, they have to be in their own little bag. Like, I put them on and then take them off immediately getting off stage. And that just strikes me as, like more high maintenance than I really wish to be. So, you know, and I, I, I always want to have a pair of shoes that I can walk into. I wear my Clarks, um, the wedges that I, I talked about in the, the packing um, part of this episode uh, for pretty much daily. I just bought a new pair because the, the one that I brought to the UK uh, is, is sadly been through some wear. Um, they are not, in fact, waterproof, and it turns out it rains. Turns out but, it rains in the UK. Plus, you probably took rains. like twenty thousand steps today. So. I took twenty uh, twenty five thousand steps, and um, you know, you see yourself walking eight miles in these shoes per day. I think no, they, it, it was time to get a new pair. Um, so I bought the same pair, uh, slightly different color, just because they didn't seem to be making that. Color. Oh, I do the same thing. If I find a shoe that's comfortable, I just keep buying the same thing. It's it actually annoys me when they like retire shoes. Why do they do that? Like stop retire shoe companies. If anyone who works for a shoe company is was listening to this podcast, please stop doing it. Keep that. some perennial like, favorites around. Perennial favorites around. I know. I hate it when they do that with jeans too. Like I find a pair of jeans I like and then they stop making it. <laughs> so, but I'm I'm five five, so um I'm I'm not I'm sort of a medium height. Um you know having the heels makes me five seven, which is it's a nice place to be that I feel sort of you know, relatively tall, tallish. Um, but I've always wondered what it would be like to be actually tall. Like I, I wonder, you know, like men who are looking down at everyone when they're talking to them, right? What is that like? What does that do to your personality? I'm curious. <laughs> like, yeah, it, is, yeah. it is very interesting. And there are weird perception things with height. Like you, you, you know, if a man is six, one, you register him as like kind of tall, like you don't feel like you're like craning your neck, but if a woman is six, one, somehow it feels much different. Um, so height's a very funny thing. I will say, um, as a professional side note, I am like extremely good at guessing people's heights at this point. And, <laughs> parents, and we have personal party no, your parents and, you know, as part of like growth evaluations and, you know, sometimes they'll lie. So we measure them. And I am at the point where like, <laughs> I, like why, why are you lying can, in the doctor's Well, office? they don't know. They're not lying on purpose. Oh. Usually like usually someone along the line has told them they're a certain height and they've clung to that. And that usually it's like the tallest height they've ever heard anybody say. Anyway, so we're <laughs> digressing, but party trick. If you run into me and you want me to guess your height, I'm probably going to get it really, really close. <laughs> really close. That's right. And, and just again, while we're on this digression, what, what does it mean for then a child's height then? Like, is oh, there a formula? That could be like an entire episode. What does it mean? You mean, I mean, how tall do you expect your child to be? There is yeah. a formula. So you take, if it's a girl, you take the, the father's height and you subtract five inches and you average it with the mother's height. And then you go plus or minus two inches. Like, so how tall is your husband? Um, he's six three. Okay, and I guess eh, I've met him. Yeah, he's probably six three, maybe six two and a half. But whatever, we'll give him six three. <laughs> and you are you are five five, which I think that is accurate. So for your daughter, for example, we we take five ten for his height minus five inches, and then five five, and we say five seven and a half plus or minus two inches. So she'll probably be well, between yeah, five I mean, five I would and assume half. She'd be somewhere between five five and five ten. Right. That's a exactly pretty... five five and a half to five nine and a half, and like that's even not a guarantee, as I tell many of my patients. I didn't meet my quote unquote range actually. So, you know, it's not a hundred percent, but that's kind of what you expect. Okay. okay. Well, well, we'll end this digression and <laughs> transition to, I'm going to tell Michael that he's six, two and a half. He needs to stop telling me he's six, three. 
actually, I think I was mostly with him sitting down, so it's it's hard it's hard to know. But um, yeah. he's pretty tall, no matter how you slice it. It's different when someone's like, "I'm five nine and you're like, "No, you're five six. No, you're not. <laughs> anyway, so work clothing is my next category. And I'm in a weird place here because I'm like, you know, stripping down to pump every three hours and I totally still am not like in my like old body, whatever that means, mostly because I've got like big chest and, you know, not totally just back to normal, but I'm still on the, so I have found that dresses are my new favorite thing because, and they might actually become, you know, I used to be more of like a slim pants and shirt kind of a thing, but then I sort of de- debate, like, do I tuck the shirt? Is it more of a tunic kind of a look? Like, what do I really want? Dresses are everything because they look very pulled together. You only have to pull one thing off the hanger. You don't have to think about what goes with anything. A lot of them come in like petite. And for some reason, I'm less likely to need to alter a petite dress than I am. Sometimes like pants that are short are still too long. Again, I'm short. We talked about that. So dresses, I really, really love. And right now I'm into wrap dresses and I feel like I have that perfect balance of comfort and looking together and flattering. Um, and I might just never go back. I might be a dress person from now on. You find dresses work though with, with pumping and nursing. Like I didn't wear dresses for well, like a wrap dress with a little tank top under it. I and mean, again, I have a private office and i now have a space heater. So like, it doesn't bother me to like strip my whole top down, <laughs> but I mean, I'd have to do that. I guess if I had like a button down shirt, I wouldn't have to do that, but I haven't found too many things where I wouldn't have to do that. So yeah, I like, I, I feel like I can just pull it down from the shoulders. So I'm not like nude, you yeah. know, like I'm still, I still have the bottom part of the dress. <laughs> um, so if someone were to come in, I mean, I guess there wouldn't be that much exposed. It would just be basically the, the pump things. So yeah. So yeah, dresses definitely work and this is TMI. So what about you? <laughs> <laughs> I love dresses too. Um, although, so I have a different issue of why I wind up often wearing pants and a top or a skirt and a top. Um, is that a lot of, you know, when I'm dressing up, it's for a speaking gig and um, people have lavalier mics and they hook, they need to hook on something. Oh. Um, and so a waistband, otherwise I'm stuck with the podium, right? I'm stuck at the podium with a um, mic, uh, which I don't want to be stuck at the podium. I want to be able to move around. So I have to wear something with a waistband. I have worn dresses to speeches, but then I have to hook the lavalier onto the back, um, like to the neck part. Um, so it needs to be something that can is structured enough to, to support that. Although I did have this sort of fun, I, I was curious how, how ladies who do this all the time um, do it. And I was giving a speech where, where Carrie Champion, who's the, the uh, ESPN host, was, was oh, wow. there. Um, and she and I stuck it on each other's bra straps. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. That is what they do. And uh, I was like, oh, that's fascinating. Although, you know, you have to go find somewhere private. Like, it's usually the sound guys. I don't really want the sound guys sticking on my bra strap. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you've got a fellow female person you're on stage with, you can do it for each other. But, and there's uh, probably never a sound woman, sadly. There's, no, there's rarely a sound woman. There should be. I wish more people would go into sound audio engineering who are female. But anyway, yeah. So I wear a lot of nice black pants and then, you know, formal top of some Black girl. pants are very easy for like uniform dressing. Like you could just wear the same basic thing all the time. And then if you have a bunch of coordinating tops, it works. Yeah. Like some sort of flowy top is, is basically my, my thing. And Mostly just I, it's the comfort thing. I don't like clingy stuff. Um, and if something's clinging to my stomach, I feel like I'm, you know, need to be 
sucking it in the whole time or, or wearing a corset like, or something you, you expecting a fifth child yeah, no like, corsets at work no no no, no spanks i'm sort of like i mean i guess for a, a very special occasion but generally that's that's not my thing yeah although i i, I do have a pair of spanks um but, but they were for like a wedding more, right or like some yeah special. wedding stuff or, or you know it just there were some of my dresses that I feel as I crossed over into maybe the latter half of my thirties, um, after kids number three and four, I could wear, but they didn't fit quite the way I wished. Um, whereas <laughs> if I put the spanks on, then they do. Um, and so I could keep them, uh, so that they are dresses that just now require spanks that I can wear as opposed to dresses that I would have worn before. That makes uh, sense. Without. That makes sense. All right. So that's clothing. We've already, eh, we won't go into the whole like mail order services because we kind of talked about that before. Well, I'll just do a shout out that we've tried Trunk Club and Laura's tried MMO Fleur before. And those are interesting options that give you, you know, the ability to have someone kind of look for you. But anyway, yeah. from now on, my next trunk, I'm going to order like 10 wear, dresses. <laughs> yeah. The black pants I wear most often are, are MMO Fleur, um, that they have a pair of straight leg pants that I think, um, are, are pretty sort of universal. Like they're, they're straight leg. They've got a nice seam down the front. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, if you're looking for a basic pair that, that might be one to check out. This is not sponsored. Can you put them the in the washing machine? You can. That's All right. That okay, is the key. That is the key. <laughs> um, so they do not have to be dry cleaned. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. You, you don't, you can't dry. Them, That's okay. But, but you can okay. wash them. I just don't want to have to dry um, clean. I hate it. Like, and then make sure you remember to take them out and then hang them up and, and they go. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will move on to our next superficial topic, which is hair. And I personally do Japanese straightening. We've mentioned that before in one of our openers. But for me, this is the most easy way to have professional looking hair with basically zero effort whatsoever. And therefore, I probably will never stop doing it. So I am a pro lengthy expensive procedure if it saves you time on a daily basis for basically like the rest of the year. So do you have the same person do your straightening oh, yeah. every time? Yeah. Yeah. And, ha- and, and and cutting and all that. Like how did you find this person? Joseph Nero. Hi, Joseph. No, just kidding. I don't think he's a listener. Um, I think he's but I will tell him that I mentioned him. Maybe he'll discount. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he, you know, I actually, when I moved to Miami, I just searched Japanese straightening and there's not that many places that do it. And I looked at Yelp reviews. And then when I went to see him, I was really, so I had been seeing another guy also named Joseph, oddly enough, in North Carolina. But when I moved, I needed a new one. Um, my new guy, the Joseph Nero is, is, it is not cheap, but he does an amazing job. So after I went, I knew I was going to be a repeat client with him. And um, he's, also, you know, once you get to know someone who spends five hours with you every few months, um, then you, you kind of build your relationship. And so he'll like, well, like he actually gave me a little bit of a different haircut this time and I kind of trusted him and I really like it. So yeah, I think, I think once you really find someone that works, then it's great. Cause then, you know, you can text them, you can, you can, you, you trust them basically. And I also feel like I could always get in an, a more urgent appointment if I needed it just because of like customer loyalty. Yeah, no, that's nice. Um, definitely a plus. It took, it's taken me a long time. I, you know, I have somebody now who I always have cut my hair. We have a salon that's, I mean, literally within walking distance. I don't walk there, but it's in this little village that's by my house. Uh, and I, I go there, which is very convenient um, to, to be able to be home within like three minutes afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I was wanting to go there regardless, just because it was there. And, and highly convenient. And then I I may have had one or other person cut my hair, and I don't know if I like that person or not, but then I had this woman cut my hair, and she was very nice and very sweet, and 
she uh, she has been cutting my hair now for several years, and uh, she's uh, it, it's kind of a funny salon in many ways. I, I think people have been coming there for like years and years, um, and uh, there were there was one particular time somebody was on really bad behavior. Like somebody <gasps> oh, was no! I've never seen somebody be like so like you know, mean and like entitled in a salon. I'm like, what on earth is this? Like, Cause also like they were too comfortable. We're like, in, we're like in small town, Pennsylvania. Like, what are you, wow. <laughs> this isn't even like, I don't know, you know, Madison Avenue, New York or something where you might expect it. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it, it made me feel, I mean, I, I would never be on bad behavior in a salon, but if I was ever having a grumpy day, I was like, wow, they must deal with so much worse than they this. They probably do. <laughs> they, they really do. They, they probably deal with a lot, actually. Sure um, do you feel like hair up versus hair down is more perfect? Because I, I prefer my hair down still, and I don't know if there will be a time when I no longer feel like that does me justice or I need to have shorter hair. I do feel like there's a trend now. Like back in the day, you hit 40 and like everyone was like chopping their hair off, and now that's not really the case. And I don't know if it's because people are doing more things to their hair than they used to do, um, but I do think longer hair is flattering. That's maybe someday I will want to put like a little bit of wave back because I don't know that the stick straight is going to be doing me any favors when I'm 50, but who knows? But I do feel like down is more accepted now versus back in the day, the stereotype was like, oh, if you're professional, you're going to have like a tight bun or like a short cut or something. Yeah. I mean, I almost always wear my hair down partly because I haven't found a good style for being up that isn't, you know, it doesn't make me feel like it's a ponytail and I'm about to go for a run, um, and which is not very professional looking. So, you know, it'd be great if maybe I'll get my hair styled like that some way. I didn't even do that for my wedding. I just had it down for, for that. But you no, know, I haven't hacked it off either. I, I do feel like I probably should, you know, have it slightly shorter than I have. I just got my hair cut the other day and it's still not that short, but, uh, you know, I, I tried having it not curled. Like I tried for a day or two to just like blow it out. I just didn't get it to look like it does coming from the salon. <laughs> I was like, well, me, the curling, it means that there's more margin. For yeah, error. that's true. Like just, Cause you just have you this know, nice, that you I know, face framing, face framing thing. Whereas I have to blow it out exactly right. And I don't have that kind of expertise. So if oh it ain't broke, so that's hair next is makeup. And, um, so I have definitely gone through phases with this probably over the last five years. I've gradually gotten to a place where if I go out and I'm not wearing mascara and probably a little bit of eyeshadow, at least I feel weird. Um, and that's interesting because me of 10 years ago, I definitely wore nothing. And I guess that's just maybe getting older, getting used to yourself, looking a certain way, potentially moving to Miami, because let me tell you. People, people get dressed. I have a light hand on the makeup stuff. here, and or, or it's like two camps. It's either like I don't wear any makeup, I'm an Earth Mother, or it's like shellac. And I, I'm def, I'm in between the two. I don't even really like foundation, but I have started wearing this bronzing powder on a daily basis, and that makes me feel like I have like enough of a little bit of a base. I will throw on. I always wear mascara. I always wear eyeshadow. I right before I went back to work, I actually um, just went to Nordstrom and sort of was like, okay, whoever is going to like grab me, I'm just going to buy a bunch of makeup from them because I hadn't bought any in in a few years and I needed to refresh everything. And it happened to be the Dior lady who was nice to me. So now I have like some really nice makeup, which will probably last me a while. But I will say the one item that I don't really wear, but I feel like I want to someday is lipstick. I can't do it. 
I'm like, I can't get it to look like not a costume on me. And I can't figure out why. And it looks really nice on other people. It's like a really neutral sort of shade. Yeah, when I do really neutral, like then it looks okay. But then it just doesn't look like I'm wearing any. Like, like I see other women like rock these like cool colors where it's like a statement. And when I do it, I just look dumb. I don't know. So <laughs> listeners, dumb, but... you can suggest the right shade or what I'm doing wrong there. Um, but that's kind of where I am, which I do think is also kind of a middle of the road place. It's not nothing. I probably takes me like five, six minutes to put it on in the morning. And, but it's like adds a little bit of a professional touch, particularly when I'm at work. Yeah. I like to, I like lipstick. I like how it looks. I always just forget to wear it. <laughs> it's just, I, I am so like juvenile about makeup. <laughs> I don't think you're juvenile. I, you're just, you're, I just don't understand. I, I need to, I need to, I mean, I still buy at, at the drugstore. Which there's um, also nothing wrong. So you know what? There was a, um, remember our guest, Rebecca Fike or Laglive? She actually hired yeah, yeah. a makeup artist to come to her house and like teach her how to do makeup and basically tell her what to buy. And I will say, I'll, I'll try, I'll, I'll have to send you the blog post because it is amazing. And now she still wears the stuff that the person like taught her like two years ago. And some of it was drugstore and some of it was fancier. And it made me feel like maybe I would want, so maybe at some point, just like you did a personal shopper, not that you need it. Cause actually you don't, but if you wanted to, you could, you could go the lag live route. I, I, <laughs> I just, I, you know, it's, it's one of the, I, cause I don't like the feel of a lot of makeup and the times when I've had, you know, stage makeup done, TV makeup done, I always feel like, uh, um, you know, afterwards I look like a, a lady of the evening. <laughs> totally you know, get it. It's just like, plastered on my face and and I, I mean obviously you have to for camera or bright lights or things like that but it, I just I feel gross with it with it on and I like sort of the natural look but I probably want to look a little better than my natural look my my natural look with a bit more sleep for I instance, think that's exactly what a really good makeup artist can yeah. do they make you look like you but slightly better so like slightly better yeah and and especially as I as I do get older um there I think that that I probably should grow up about this and, and I need to get myself I, I'm gonna do that I, I, I will I'll, ask you for an update in a, in a few episodes from now cool hire somebody who knows what to do and they can help me all right <laughs> okay nails yay or nay <laughs> no no um no I don't either I I mean I sometimes paint my well I get pedicures um, like so Tony I live in Miami Beach like that like you everyone gets pedicures you Everyone. never see my feet during the year, right? Like, so you, you do, I mean, your feet are yes. out, like feet are a part of the body exactly. that are show. Exactly. So I do do that, but I do not get my hands because yeah, just like what you said, I mess it up in two seconds. I feel like then that makes me look less professional than if I have nothing on at all. So I just not happening. I have destroyed every single manicure I've ever gotten by the time I leave the salon. And I, I don't know what it is. Like I just I maybe yeah, I we want to use hands more than other people. Maybe I'm like less careful. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I I mean I have had various like girl get girls get together whatever everyone's getting a manicure right so I'm getting a manicure and then like literally I'll walk to my car and chip it on my car door and like other people don't do this I don't I don't understand what they're either they're getting gel manicures or they're like really sitting there for a very long time I will say sometimes if I do a mani before my petty so that I'm just stuck there and looking at my phone in my hands so not using my hands for anything while the pedicure is getting done it gives a manicure and again this is the few times that I've gotten manicures that is sort of the trick to not messing it up but I agree with you I tend to mess it up and then and then it's just worthless and it's expensive and it kind of hurts sometimes so yeah I'm with you I don't feel like it's a necessary part of the workload next next to manicures bags (laughs) bags Uh, 
What, what are you hearing um, these my days? My friend Vicky introduced me to the brand Low Tough, uh, not sponsored, um, although Low Tough. If we were going to want to send her some That would be my pick if I could get some free bags out of it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, their bags are beautiful. They're made in New England. And um, I I really hadn't bought any, like, grown-up bags. I, I used to use a lot of Orla Keeley, which are great. They're actually good quality, but they're they're not professional, professional looking. And now I've kind of replaced my entire fleet of bags with low tough. So I'm kind of done buying bags for a very long time, but they're leather. They also make briefcases. They really have a professional look to them. And I have the, I think satchel number nine, which has like a zip closure. I could fit a small laptop in it or an iPad, although I don't really, yeah, I do think a nice bag when you're like walking into work or going to a meeting, it, it does make a difference. If you show up in really nice dress and shoes and then you have like a tote bag and you're walking into a meeting, it, it like, it detracts from the overall look. So I found that it, I look more put together just by what I'm carrying. So why not? Yeah, of course. Easy thing to do, right? It's, um, and, and, and bags fit bags everyone, fit right? Everyone. Like it's not even they like do. The, the, the easier to buy than like a swimsuit. And I do think, I think both of us, well, I want to hear your bag um, situation, but I think we both agree that like the in-your-face labels, sometimes at work can be a little, eh. like you're, it's almost like, yeah. it's like, yeah, 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 I own this. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, my, my wonderful friend who has a lot of designer bags, but she chooses the ones without like the, you know, the LVs all over them or the giant C's for Chanel. Yeah, like, it's just not, we're, we're both talking about the, yeah, the it's just ones, not quite, like, I don't want it to be in your face. It. Now, would I like give away a Chanel bag that was subtly Chanel? No, I'd be like super excited about it. But the ones that are very brand upfront, I'm not a big fan of, even though some of them are very beautiful. Yeah. No, I, I, the brand upfront, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, um, I, yeah, I, I prefer it's like you know that the construction, the the bag like speaks for itself, and you're like, oh, that's really cool, and then a small label on it. But uh, the you know the I what have I been carrying? I, for a while, I was carrying um, these B Mikowski purses, which is I don't I haven't seen them lately. I'm sure they're still selling. They had this very soft leather, and they often had brightly colored leather. So I had a, a purple one I was carrying for a while, and then I had a um, silver one I was carrying for a while. And it was just a nice way to have a little statement, something a little different that wasn't just you know straight black because I'm wearing probably too much black anyway. I've got a black coat, black pants. You know, you want your bag to have a little something. And then I wound up getting a what I'm carrying now. I bought a tote bag um, from Coach, and it's this light blue. It's like a baby powder oh, blue like color, which turns out to be pretty neutral. Um, so I can wear it with, with anything, you know, it holds my laptop, holds a book, um, you know, and so I can use it as my personal item as a carry on, uh, and then use it as a purse, uh, if wherever I am. So it's, it's been really convenient for me. Although I will admit, like sometimes I, I just get lazy and I, I have a, you know, conference swag, like tote bag, and I'll just grab that. And it was like, forget that I'm using it for a couple of days that I've, you know, my wallet has wound up in there and my keys and then it feels like too much of a pain to switch them out. And, um, so yes, I'm probably that person who's wandering in with the sad looking tote bag to the meeting. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on the context, right? If you're just going somewhere that doesn't matter, then it's good. If you're like going in to ask for a promotion, maybe not Myself, the No, no, probably you should <laughs> All right. Now, well, okay. No, I'm going to save that one for last. So skincare, do we bother with this? Sometimes I wish I was better. I love Aesop products and I use them. And when I use them, I enjoy using them. My skin feels a little cleaner. I don't necessarily feel like, like, I don't know that I believe there's some 
long-term anti-wrinkle stuff happening when you just use, unless there's like super medicated, like retinol type stuff. I'm not sure they really work. Yeah. I'm not sure they're magic. Maybe they help with breakouts, but like, honestly, in my current hormonal state, I don't really have breakout issues. Like I'm sure that'll change um, in a few months when I'm breastfeeding less, but yeah, uh, I'm not that, I'm not super, super into skincare. I like it for the ritualisticness with it. Like I'll do it to enjoy it, but I don't do it regularly. Yeah. That's another thing I got to be. Well, you don't have to. I mean, that's the thing. But I don't don't know. I mean, so I don't know what happened. Like in the past, I think two years, I've had more sort of like acne than I have since, you know, teenage years. And so it must be like the, I'm getting older this, you know, as we cross toward 40. But then, you know, now I have, I need to get to a dermatologist. What I really need to honestly do is I, now I have like some inflammation on my face. Oh, yeah, I you should no totally go to derm. And that's what I was going to say. If you have like, yeah. if I do get bad recurrent acne, I, I, I would, I think I'd rather go the derm route. And I know, you know, some products are covered and some products are not, but you know, there's actually some evidence-based stuff. So if I had like a true issue, I'd probably rather go there first rather than Sephora, for example. Yeah. Sephora yeah. is for fun. And, and, and also because their stuff, their stuff probably works. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, was, I was joking with Sarah about a, a post I saw on Instagram from a, from a dermatologist that I follow who was um, posted a funny sign. It was like, you know, how to get rid of wrinkles. And it had, you know, mixed Greek yogurt and honey and lemon. Now throw that stuff out. Stop being delusional. Well, that was my last, that was my most, I was going to say we're going there, our most controversial um, category here. So, you know, medicinal upgrades, that kind of a thing. Botox would definitely be included there. Other fillers, et cetera. I'm, I'm sort of neutral on these. I've never done anything yet. I have seen some pretty good-looking, natural-looking results in people who have done them. My husband, I'm sure, is listening to this. He's probably running and, and thinking, Duh! he does not. His family and my family, honestly, are very into aging gracefully. They, they, they do not – they would not like the idea of doing anything. That said – it is my face. It's your face. <laughs> and the nurse practitioner like, that, I, that I work with who, who did a little Botox, like, man, she looks fresh. <laughs> She's in her 40s. So I'm not not in a hurry to do anything, but I guess I will just never say never. I'm not – I don't think there's anything ethically bad about it. And the truth is, like, all these other things we've talked about are all little tweaks. I don't really see that there's some, like, dividing line between, you know, high heels and a little injection. So, again – no concrete plans would not rule it out for future self. Yeah. I might look into that while I'm visiting the dermatologist about the other skin issues <laughs> because I have some light wrinkles on my forehead that I am not very fond of. So I would like to see them go away. It so works on that on my friend. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, I'm, we will do it soon. Uh, we will report wow. back. Um, so I think we should do our yeah. Oh, that's a good first. idea because it's a beauty uh, product. Sure. Um, I know drugstore mascaras are like a lot of people's favorite or they say that the quality of the mascara is like the least important makeup item. But for some reason, I can't find anything that I like anywhere near as much as Lancome Definiciles. So it kind of goes against that advice, but it's just the only thing that doesn't make my lashes stick together. I feel like there's something about the wand that makes it really easy to use and it lasts a really long time. Like, like even though I wear it every day, it seems like it'll go on for months and months. So I, it's not as, you know, overpriced as it may look. I think it's like $27 or something um, for a tube of it. So yeah, that's my superficial love of the week. Use it every day. <laughs> what about you? 
Awesome. My love of the week is <laughs> working from home um, most days, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I mean, honest truth. Like, yeah, I'm not wearing a full face of makeup when I'm working at home. And so it's, it's really nice. Not I'm jealous because we're to. recording this right now. I'm wearing no makeup. I have not showered and I'm wearing like my pajamas. So I, I, I would be, I'd probably be like a mess if I worked at home and it, I would probably not mind at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am in a rental office today because we are recording this during my ongoing kitchen and bathroom renovations, which are rather loud. <laughs> so I am in a rental office. So I did get, oh, we're like today. reversing um, roles. Yeah. <laughs> reversing roles. All right, let's let's do our, our Q and A. Really, we've been talking for a long time. Sorry, it too boring. And by the way, remember my tip: you can listen at one point five speed for podcasts, and I promise you can still understand everything. It's very efficient. So, just going to mention that. Okay, here's our question. I just listened to your travel podcast. I really enjoyed it, but I do have a question. How do you travel with babies that require one to three naps per day? I have a nine-month-old who takes a two to three-hour nap at nine thirty, and then one or two forty-five to ninety-minute naps. That's a lot of naps. The afternoon naps are sometimes in the car on the way home from lunch or whatever we're doing. I'm pretty flexible on naps and not super strict, but baby definitely at least needs one nap to pleasantly make it through the day. She references our travel episode that we had with Henley Vasquez, who, which was awesome. And she said, when Henley travels with her six-month baby, how much time are they hanging out in the hotel for naps or do they ignore naps and just make it work while sightseeing? How do you maximize your time and money while visiting a new place and not spend most of it watching your kids sleep? And what do you do if taking a caregiver with you isn't an option? I'll have Laura go first. We don't have Henley back today, uh, but maybe she'll chime in on Instagram or something. Um, go ahead. Well, I mean, I think this is one of these dividing lines with parents on the sort of sanctity of the nap. Um, there are some parents who are very into the nap at a certain time in the crib. Many of these people have read uh, the healthy sleep habits, happy child, yep, or whatever please. that book is. I, yeah, I am not a fan of that book, but anyway, I, I am not in the sanctity of the nap category. Uh, but other people are, and, and part of it, and some of it's probably driven by parental personality, but some of it's probably driven by the kid too. Like, I mean, there may be a kid who absolutely refuses to sleep except in his crib at certain times, in which case you're going to become fundamentalist about it because you really need your baby to nap. So, I mean, you do have to work with what your kid is too, but if your kid is in the middle, I would highly recommend, you know, trying to make like, if you're, you're traveling, make one of the naps at least work out and about I think there's nothing wrong with sort of planning a little downtime in the afternoon. Uh, everyone might need that. It might work for travel with kids to go out for the morning to do something, like go see something in the morning, have lunch, come back to the hotel. Everyone rests for an hour or two, then go out, do your later in the day stuff. Um, that, that's not a bad schedule for, for anyone, whether kids need to nap or not. The problem is if you've got a child who's under about like 15 months old. And so they're in that two nap um, phase. The morning nap is incredibly inconvenient. Um, and what we basically did is say they're going to have to deal. Like they can nap in the stroller if they fall asleep because we want to see stuff and our other kids want to see stuff too, especially by the time we had more than one kid. And then, um, you know, the especially for weekend stuff too, you know, sometimes we would leave one parent at home with the baby napping. Um, but we have also on weekends wound up hiring a sitter to stay with the baby napping so that we can go do stuff with the big kids as, as well. Um, so for home, that that's an option. Um, splitting parents is an option. But but I think, you know, I'm in the camp of trying to make one of those naps or work out. I agree that the sanctity of the nap is often more 
for the parents' benefit. And that's not to discount it. I mean, sometimes you really need a break. So the sanctity is appropriate. But, you know, we tend to like to couch things in like, oh, my poor baby will just expire if he doesn't have this exact. And I will say I actually like that book, but I do see what you're saying about um, it being a little bit rigid in that regard. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there were lines like, if no, you're I out shopping you feel guilty and you about, about that, yes. and I'm sure, and it is, if I really read it with a, it's probably very gendered too, because there nobody's complaining that dad's at work. Anyway. Okay. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm very similar to you. I will say stroller naps. I mean, that still counts as a nap and a lot of strollers recline and my kids tend to fall asleep if they're tired and we're moving. So yes, maybe it won't be like a perfect nap, but it can be a pretty good nap. And then the adults get some break from the kids. Like every time we've gone to Disney, we've done one of two things. We've either, we've either, if we all feel like we need a break, go back to the hotel, have some chill time, like you said, or we just kind of like let the kids fall asleep in the stroller. They typically would, I mean, I do have heavy sleeping kids. So this, you know, your mileage is going to vary, but they could pass out for like two hours. And then while we're just walking around and enjoying ourselves. And then by the time dinner and like the night comes around, they actually have some energy versus if they hadn't done that, then obviously they, they'd be melting down. So I, I, yeah, I think the moderate approach, you know, if, if somebody really needs the downtime, then make it downtime for everyone. Otherwise embrace the on the run naps and most of the time. I mean, again, kids are very different, but with many kids, if your kids are not on the extreme, if they're tired and you make things boring enough, they'll probably fall asleep where they are. I totally recognize that it's not every kid because there are kids who will not sleep if they don't have the right environment, but you're going to know your kid and what's going to be best for for your family. All right. Sounds good. Well, this has been our superficial things episode, which turned (laughs) out we had a lot to say, and we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. 
Wear it like no one else. 